0: If you would, please, turn into, in your Bibles to First Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. Oh, first Timothy chapter 3. We're just going to read one verse in your hearing. It is a trustworthy statement. If any, man aspire to, if any man aspire to the office of an overseer, it is a fine work that he desires to do. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we have been blessed already just to be just to be together in your presence. Lord, all of this music, all of this singing is not for our own sake. This singing is to you. You are the one that receives our praise, receives our thanksgiving. Lord, we thank you for for your grace. You have just blessed us abundantly. It's already been pointed out to us this morning. And Lord, I pray that as we look into this word, that you would illuminate this word, give us clarity, give us understanding so that we can apply it to our life, that we can shift our thinking, change our thinking to make it more in line with biblical thinking, and then have that thinking work its way out in a practical way in our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Paul has uh, tur- is turning our attention now to the leadership of the church. He has already told us uh, uh, several things about praying for evangelistic praying for the unsaved, and he talked about the women's role in the church and that uh, women are not to have that responsibility—the responsibility of leadership in the church. That responsibility falls to the man, and now he's going to talk about that leadership. Everyone wants to be the leader. Everyone wants to have their input. Everyone wants to have their influence, their a little bit of control, uh, decisions that are going to be made. Everyone wants to be that have some kind of say, some kind of responsibility there. But the thing is, is leadership tends to feed our ego. It, it kind of uh, lends itself to selfishness, to pride. Power corrupts, ultimate power corrupts ultimately. We hear that a lot in the political realm, and it is, it is just true. But in the, in the church, leadership is different. It's different than in the world. It's a different kind of, of leadership that Christ has established in His church. And there's different reasons for that. Let me show you some reasons. The first reason is that this is Christ's church. The real authority lies within Christ, not within the elders or even the leadership of the church. He is the head of the church. Christ said that I will build my church in Matthew chapter 18. Now, no man has that authority. No man has that that power. That power is is Christ. Man can try to fill the pews. and Man can do what we, we can do. But it is actually Christ that... That adds to the number of the body of Christ, add to members of the body of Christ. So, elders, we just simply take our cue from Christ. They're really not the real leaders. We seek the mind of Christ in every decision. So leadership is dictated to us by Christ, to the elders by Christ. And so it's going to take on, leadership is going to take on a little bit different form just because of that one factor. There's another factor because Christ commands it to be different. Look over in Mark chapter 10. There is a situation where two of the disciples, uh, they, uh, they got their mother to ask for more authority, more leadership role. Can my two sons, she comes and asks Christ, can they sit one on the right hand and one on the left hand? And, and Christ saw what was going on. They were jockeying for power, jockeying for position. In Mark chapter 10 and verse 42, Christ, it says, He calls them together to Himself and Jesus said to, to them, You know that those who are recognized as rulers over the Gentiles, Lord it over them. That's their kind of leadership. That's the kind of leadership that the Gentiles have. And their great men exercise authority over them. Kind of emphasizing the same idea. But it is not this way among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. It's a different kind of leadership and Christ commands that. He wants that different kind. There is no place for domineering people. It's not a place that you you dominate. Leadership cannot do that within the church. There's no dictation. There's there's no uh, dominant personality that that wields his authority. Uh, There's no police force in the church. You, You cannot use force to produce godly behavior. So it's different. It's different. The third reason, it's different because there's different kind of people. We have a new nature. The people within the church have a new heart, a new nature. There's a new character. The Holy Spirit dwells in the leaders of the church. And He is producing fruit in their life, Galatians chapter 5 tells us. And the hallmark of that fruit is humility. It's the opposite of, of pride. It's, it's humility. That's the dominant characteristic of a Christian. If you strip everything else away, there's going to be brokenness. There's going to be humility there. And that's just uncharacteristic of a leader. It's, so it's a different kind of leadership. Godly leaders are not dictated by their pride Now, you've seen that. You've seen probably even in the church, probably even in the pastorate, that you see these pastors that, boy, they're just driven by their own pride. But godliness is seen in the leadership style of the church. It's a different, they have a different nature. And one last reason is the different goal of the church. There's a different goal, and that's going to produce a different kind of leadership. The goal of the church is is not to fill the pews. It's any CEO, you could could bring in a CEO from any company and boy, they they can fill the pews. That's not our goal. The goal of the church is to grow people spiritually. It's sanctification. It's discipleship. If you look over in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 7, Paul makes this very clear to the Ephesians church. He did this earlier in his letter. And it says this, And He gave some, this is God gave some, to the church. He gave some apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints. Now you know that passage well. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. It is is the elder's job, it is the overseer's job, the, the leadership of the church. They're concerned about sanctification we're a teaching institution now what makes it unique though this is not just an academic ex- exercise we are completely dependent upon scripture only the scripture has the power to change someone's life the uh, the elders the office of an the elder then is centered around scripture we're, we're limited to this one one book here we proclaim scripture We proclaim its truth. We protect the truth. We do not invent it. We do not produce it. We just simply, clearly, as possible, communicate what it says. And then even at that, sanctification is something that's produced in the heart. It's not something that we can, again, force on people. We do not control people's behavior that does not produce godliness. Simply put, we're shepherds. We cannot just take a book off the shelf on leadership and, and apply that to the church. It's a different kind of leadership within the church. I like what uh, Stuart Scott, in his book, um, The Exemplary Husband, and you need to read this uh, book, men, he talks about two different kinds of leadership. There's the natural born leader, there's the natural leader, and then there's the spiritual leader. And he compares and contrasts these First of all, the natural leader is self-confident. The spiritual leader is confident in God. The natural leader knows man. He knows politics. He knows how to maneuver. He knows how to manipulate. The spiritual leader knows God. The natural leader makes his own decisions. The spiritual leader seeks to find God's will. The natural leader is ambitious. The godly leader, the spiritual leader, is self-effacing. Erases himself. He he is promoting truth and and less of himself. He decreases. And the Word of God increases. The natural leader, he originates his own methodology. He does it his way. The spiritual leader finds and follows God's methodology. The natural leader is motivated by personal gain. The spiritual leader is motivated by love for others and love for God. And then the natural leader is dependent upon himself. He's independent. The spiritual leader is God dependent. There's a difference in leadership in the church. We need to understand that there's a different kind of leadership here in the church. It's a humble servant leadership, and it's going to be different from the world. And I'm glad. We don't need this kind of leadership necessarily in the way our nation is run. We have to have force to protect ourselves on a national level. That, that's different from church leadership. Now, Paul has spent three years in Ephesus, and he has trained up godly leaders. He has trained men to be elders in that elder position. But something happened here, and he actually had to kick a couple of the men out of the church... If you remember back in chapter 1 and verse 20, Hymenius and Alexandria, he had to hand over to Satan. They were trying to teach things that were blasphemous. These, they were probably in elders' position. And now he's having to correct some of the teaching. Some of the things that they had got wrong and were teaching wrong. And you can imagine the younger men in the church seeing this whole process. And maybe they're a little discouraged. Maybe they're a little disillusioned. Eldership is losing its appeal. They don't really want to be an elder anymore. It's too serious. In fact, in that day, there would be very little money in it. The position, if you held an elder position in that early time, there would be no prestige in the Roman world for an elder in the church or in the community at all. They would most likely be shunned or, or outcast. In fact, they would be the first to be persecuted. If they were going to be put in jail, if there is going to be uh, hardships to come, if there is going to be persecutions, it's the leaders that go first. And so, people, the men of the church, were probably asking, could be asking, who would want that position? Why would anybody want that position? So Paul is is kind of doing a commercial, a commercial, if you will, of eldership, leadership in the church, and he is promoting. Leadership, eldership, this overseer position. He wants men to consider it as a as a high high position. He wants them to pursue it with their life. Now you say, Well, I thought Christ he he said to the Pharisees, the scribes and the Pharisees, well well, they desire those those lofty places and those those best seats. Christ condemned the pride that was in the life of these scribes and Pharisees, but there was nothing wrong with the office that they held to. There's nothing wrong with the office of an elder, but there's no pride that belongs in that office. Pride is within the heart. It fills the heart. And and pride is is no place in the heart of an elder. Now, pride today is is creeping in, I believe, and, and probably in every generation but you see you see it a lot here in america pride and creeping into the leadership of the church you have dictators you have this kind of my authority or else actually it's a little bit different climate today the idea in the church today is is to lure and it's all about dramatics and it's all about entertainment and the, the celebrity pastor and, and the popularity and the leadership skills and how to woo the crowd and, and to manipulate. Paul did not that at all. That was just a, another way of pride, proud thinking. And you can see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let me just read that just to remind us of Paul's attitude toward that. Because that's becoming very, very popular in our thinking today. First Corinthians chapter 2, Paul says, he says this, He says, I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. He didn't come in as this dominant leadership type that will woo the crowd and, and manipulate the people and, and gather uh, lots of people. He says, uh, my preaching was not of persuasive words even, of wisdom but in demonstration of the Spirit and in power. The power of the Word to to change a life. So that, now this is important, so that your faith not rests on the wisdom of men. I'm afraid there's so many churches today that people's faith are resting upon that man. And it's wrong. That's not the kind of leadership that we are to see in in the church. It's a different kind of leadership that God wants. Now, I want you to see this, uh, the church of Jesus Christ. Here's what I want us to see in this passage. The church of Jesus Christ must have men who see the need and are willing to sacrifice themselves for the sanctification of God's people. Let me read that one more time. Christ Jesus, the church of Jesus Christ, must have men who see the need and are willing to sacrifice themselves for the sanctification of God's people. What would cause a man to want that position? What would cause a man to to think that that that's important? Paul gives us two reasons here in this little short verse why. Just quickly, two reasons. He thinks that it is important. This is an important role. This is an important office. And he says this in verse 1. It is a trustworthy statement. This is a trustworthy statement. Literally, it means that faithful the Word. Now, in the early church, they didn't have all of the Scriptures written down. And what they would do, they would have little, small doctrinal statements, little snippets, just little, what we would call them maybe today, we have them today in our church, little core values. These are things that were important to them, and they made little statements, little axioms, little, if you, we might call them today creeds. But they were just short. Little ideas, little sentences to hang a whole theology on, and they had one concerning the elders of the church. That's how important it was to the early church. It was important to them. They also had the, they elevated the office. This was an office in the church. This is an official position held by someone in the church. It was an office of the church. In fact, it was an overseer. And the idea here is talking about his duties. But it's, it's someone that sees the big picture. It's someone that, that will be in charge. That will be, make sure that no one falls through the cracks. That everyone is discipled. Everyone is matured. Everyone comes to sanctification. And that's the idea. And they say, this is a fine work. If he desires this, this is a fine work. This is a noble work. This is honorable. This is excellent, that word means. A high quality kind of work. This is a work that pleases God. This is a work that accomplishes God's will. This is a work that expands God's kingdom. And it's really just a picture of a shepherd. Christ said to Peter, Peter, do you love me? Peter said, you know that I love you, Lord. And Christ said, well, feed my sheep. It was important to him. This shepherd, this overseer, responsible to feed the sheep. Give them truth. He was responsible to protect the sheep. Keep them from error. And help them to grow spiritually. Take care of them spiritually. This is a a valued position. Certain jobs in our America today that are valued positions the the president of the United States man that's a valued position everybody would love to be the president of the United States or maybe a doctor or a lawyer we have one candidate of the president of the United States that is a neurosurgeon now that's an impressive job isn't it a neurosurgeon he he wants to be president wow that's incredible we have engineers and we have uh, lawyers and you know, impressive, impressive titles. But, but God says that this is a fine work. God says that this is good. This is good. Now Satan loves to distort and, and to devalue what God says is important. He loves to minimize it. He loves to kind of just take it down to a common level. Common everyday level to devalue it and we kind of do that today we we live in this information age and today everybody seems to be a doctor well you can you just kind of go to the doctor just to see what he has to say and get his opinion on it but what's the first thing you do you check it out on the on the internet and you go to medical or, or uh, Med MD or, you know, wherever place on the Internet. And you, you get all of your information. And then you go to, to the doctor to see what he says. And, and it's just, we kind of bring it down to, uh, it's just common everyday knowledge here. It doesn't matter that that doctor has spent years and years and years studying the human body. Everybody diagnoses themselves. They prognose. They, uh, they come to their own conclusion. And the same with the elder position. Let's just make it so common. And in this information age that we have, we're just bombarded with with information, and ninety percent of it, I would say, is contrary to scripture. You have books, and TVs, and and movies, and music, and billboards, and internet, and they're just bombarding your your senses. And then you have a pastor that gets up and you just kind of, it's easy, so easy to put him down on just the, the common everyday level and it's, it's just, well, this is just another opinion. Just another opinion. It doesn't matter that he spent years of his life studying this book and even in preparation, hours in preparation for that sermon. Oh, it's just another opinion. Listen, this world, this, this is a, a pastor's nightmare. There's so much information out there. How do I protect you from error when 90% of what you hear is probably going to be error? That's scary for me. The only thing that I can do is hold to this word and elevate what it says is important. It is important. God says is important. So we elevate this word and, and, and we have to see this as, as important. The early church did that. They understood that. The early church, it says in Acts, they submitted themselves to the apostles' teaching. He said, yeah, he's an elder, he is appointed there, he has that office, I'm going to listen to him. And the author of Hebrews says that we are to see them and model their faith, we are to see their example, follow their example. And he goes on to say, "As follow their lead, their leadership, as they keep watch over your souls. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17? Let me ask you, is eldership important to you? you? Say, well, how do I know? How do I see that? Is eldership important to you? Do you listen to what they say? Do you come to their Sunday school classes? Do you submit yourselves to, to their teaching? Satan loved to just bring all of this information down. This this truth that is being spoken down to just common everyday language or common everyday uh, ideas and minimize it. Ah, it's not that important. Not that important. Well, the early church, those who have a high view of God, those who have a high view of Scripture, they want to hear this Word. And someone to to discipline themselves to to search out what this word says and what does it mean how we apply it and and to cut through all of the clamor of today and say this is truth true believer they'll they'll look at that and say man that's an important job that's an important thing it's an important work the early church did they carved this little statement out that said, if any man aspires to the office of an overseer, it is a fine work that it is to do. It was kind of like a little doctrinal statement. A mini doctrinal statement in one sentence just showed what was important to them. Number two, Paul just shows us, look at the drive of this overseer. What drives a man to, to do this? And notice he says, if any man now we we talked about men as contrast to women last time, the past few Sundays, but he distinctly puts that in. If any man, and that's kind of important, he doesn't just say the natural born leaders. Now they need to be grouped in this category, or those who are overly gifted in in communication. They are to be put in this category. No, if any man, not I uh, heard someone told me. Uh, You know, well, pastors—they just have the gift of gab. No, no, you better know what you're saying. It's not just giving—you know—somebody putting them in this category. Okay, all those who have the gift of gab, you can be the elders. That's not it at all. Any man, anyone, any temperament, any any personality can come. Any man, and then he says aspires. Now, that's an interesting word. It's a wonderful word that he he uses here. It's that desire. Now, he compares it with desire. It's a good desire that he has there. And, and it's the same idea, but it's also a disciplined desire. Disciplined to fulfill it. It, it actually um, it, it makes sure that we understand that it's not just a passing interest. This is a, a long-term Desire. This is something he's planning for. If you look over in chapter 6, 1 Timothy chapter 6, he uses the same word concerning for for money. In chapter 6, verse 10, he says, For the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil, and some, by longing for it, now that's our same word for longing for it, have wandered away. That that longing for it. Now it's not just this passing desire. This is this is a desire that's there and probably put into motion things to make sure that I get that money that I'm longing for. But a better example is in Hebrews chapter 11. I love this example of this word of how this word is used. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 16. The author of Hebrews says this. But as it is, they desire a better country. <laughs> That is a heavenly one. He's talking about Christians here. This is the same kind of desire that Christians long for. I can't wait to heaven. I can't wait till we get up there. I have a mother there. I have a father there. I have Christ who is there. And I long for that day. And I put things into place. I discipline myself to make sure that I'm going to be in that position. To be in heaven. That's that longing there. It's the same longing here. The idea is stretching. Stretching out for, reaching for, trying to, to grasp something. And it's a long-term thing. It includes both the passion, the desire there, as well as the, the self-discipline to make sure that it happens. You have to prioritize some things in your life. You have to, you know. Sometimes you have to move. You have to root your family up. Maybe move clear across country. I'm just talking to Ben. We'll just. We hate to lose them. But this, and this is a serious thing that they, he's decided to do. But he wants the preparation. He wants to prepare himself. He's taking this seriously, and he's and he's planning these things out. And that's a wonderful thing. This is not this is not just some carnal desire here. This is this is someone who has genuine, genuinely genuinely been been changed in his own life, with the Word of God, been changed, and he's wanting, he's longing to see, he's desirous to see that same change happen in other people. Do you get it? That's it. This thing that's happened to me, I long for it to happen to you. I want to see that same change. It's so important. This will make a world of difference in your life. That's the idea. That's the idea here. I like what John MacArthur, he just cuts to the quick. He said, it is not the office they seek, but the work itself. You see the difference? He goes on to say, ambition for the office corrupts. If you just want that office, if you just want that position, you just want that power, that's corruption. He goes on to say, desire for service purifies. If you genuinely long to see people changed, purified, sanctified in their life. That's the right idea. That's the right idea. Any man aspires to the office of an overseer. Aspires, they're hungry for it. Now let's just think about that a little bit. Uh, five o'clock comes. I'm hungry, I'm wanting steak. I'm wanting a, a good solid meal, and uh, and I, on my way home, I have to maybe stop to get gas. And so I go in, and man, there's potato chips there. There's uh, cupcakes there. There's donuts. On Donut Day. And I go in there and I see all these things and I'm hungry. And so I just consume those things. And, and you know what? By the time I get home, it's like, I'm just sick. I'm not even, I, I've lost my appetite for that, that good stuff. Steak. Something nutritious. And I think what we do, men, I think we are satisfied with junk food. Instead of longing for, instead of reaching for, and preparing ourselves and disciplining ourselves so that we can help other people be sanctified. Help other people live a life that glorifies and honors God. Men, I have to ask, what do you long for? What do you drive for? What purpose do you have for life? Now, I'm not saying that what you do in your daily job is not important. What I am saying is that Christ says, God says, and His Church affirms: this is an important work. This is high quality work. This is a job to to aspire to, not just for the office, for the power, for the prestige of the of holding the position, but for the work you love to see people changed. And that's the idea. Satan has plenty of junk food out there for us. Guys, it really does. I mean, I, just in my own life, we, we, we seek fulfillment in so many different places. Fulfillment in so many different areas. You, you know, gaming is really big. The internet is really big. There's so many time wasters. Those little things that just eat up our time and, and just suck our desire for spiritual things. Our desire to see people grow it just sucks the life right out of them. Men, we're going to lose Ben here. Ben was an elder. We're going to lose Tim. This is the dynamics of the church. But as those people go that, that had positions of leadership, who's going to fill the gap? Is there any men in this auditorium that that says, hey look, I will fill that gap. I want to do that. I long for that. This isn't just a passing desire. I'm going to put things into place to make sure that I'm prepared to be in the position that I need to be to help people grow spiritually. (laughs) If You do that. Paul says that's a fine work. It's a good thing. It's a wonderful thing that you desire to do. This is a different kind of leadership. There's no place for pride. No place for pride in it. It's dominated by humility and servanthood. And it takes one who is committed to the Word of God and who is willing to sacrifice. Paul is looking for those kind of men. Daniel's Bible Church was looking for those kind of men. Young men, I appeal to you like Paul appeals to you. This is a good thing to strive for. You may not be full-time service, but you can be an elder. You can prepare yourself to lead the church, to be that shepherd in the church, to help be that shepherd. It's one office, but it's many, many men who fulfill that office. Now next time, next time we get together, we're going to look and see the qualifications of that office. It's not just the desire that qualifies that man. There's some qualifications. He has to discipline himself for godliness. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you, Lord, for just these reminders. Father, how easy it is for us to... To just kind of listen to the world, the world's kind of leadership, and to buy into that. Kind of listen to, to Satan and, and his priorities and kind of minimize the church work, kind of minimize the the role of an elder. Lord, help us to not do that. Not in our mind, not in our actions, not in any way visible that we see. Help us to elevate that position. Lord, help us to train our children to see that that position is a lofty position. It's something to strive for. And then, Lord, I pray within this congregation that you would rise up men, raise up men, Lord, that would take it seriously. Say, I want to do that. I, I wanna I want to help people grow spiritually. I want to help them apply the Word of God to their life so that we see change. Lord, help there be many men. Lord, I, I recognize in my own thinking that I'm, I'm just new here at Daniel's Bible Church, and I'm I'm building on uh, the shoulders of a man that has already laid this down, and I thank you for that. I thank you for those elders that have gone in the past, that have laid down a good foundation for our church now. Lord, may we have men to build on that foundation. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.